Thank you for tuning into the New Covenant Life Christian Church podcast, where we are loving God and loving his people. It's all about him. Our focus is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing his kingdom in the earth. Now, let's join Pastor Pete Pierce for today's life-changing word. Amen. Y'all ready to get into this word? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. You know you're going to have to talk back to me now. Amen. Okay, in your Bibles, on your iPad, on your, your phone, or whatever device you're using to get the Word of God, I want you to turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Um, and we're going to read verse 20 and 21. I'm going to be reading this from the New Living Translation. Amen. Are you there? Yeah. Amen. And it says this in verse number 20. She said, she's getting there. All right, praise the Lord. See, mama got a, mama got a Bible. And I told you, once I give you some glasses, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to have a bring your Bible to church today. Bring your paper Bible to church today. Amen. Amen. But right now, it's going to be hard for me to read that. But praise the Lord. So John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, and it says this. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Father, we bless you on today. We magnify you, God. We see you bigger than any situation, any circumstance, God, that we may be dealing with. God, we trust you in all things. Now, this morning, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're going you're to do the teaching on today. God, prepare everybody's heart. We pray for the miracle of the sower. God, four out of four, everyone in this place is good ground. It's gonna, this word is going to produce a harvest in their life, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold to your glory and for our good. Father, we love you. can do absolutely nothing without you. It's in the matchless name of your son, Jesus, that we do pray. And all the people of God shout it. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated in the presence of our life-changing king. Amen. Also want to also thank you. Thank uh, Sister Marie for praying this morning. Thank the Hogan's. Amen. For Psalms 91. And then also for Yvette for the offerings. We, we appreciate everything that you do. Amen. And um, we want to always have a heart and a posture of gratitude for everything that we do. Everything that you do in serving the Lord, no matter what it is, you, Sister Val and all of them was outside, you know, greeting you as you came in with the temperature checks and all that. Everything that you do as a service to the Lord, he will repay you. Amen. Amen. I know we do it out of love and we do it, you know, we do it out of commitment, too. That's one of the things we're going to talk about later, not today, but dealing with commitment. He's committed to you. Do you know how committed he is to you? Well, I'm going to talk to you about a little bit today and on next week about his commitment that he has to you. So the least we could do is be committed back to him. Hey, Amen. I'm, I'm afraid. You know, sometimes I like to ramble a little bit. Y'all all, all all right when I kind of, you know, I'm afraid sometimes, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, we'll deal with um, the word of God was of none effect because of the traditions of man. Now, that whole scripture, I like to sometimes go back and, and, you know, really talk about what that scripture meant. A lot of times in, in, in churchdom, we mess that whole scripture up. 
we think is sometimes we'll have, you know, repetitious stuff like, so now we get into this charismatic age and we'll come out of certain things. We got praise teams and we got the lights, we got the cameras, we got, you know, we got all the bling. So we think sometimes some of the old school churches that used to do things old school, we call that the traditions of men. What Jesus was talking about is when the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees twisted the scriptures to make them work for themselves. So they were talking about money that they were receiving when they were supposed to be taking this money and taking care of their parents. They said it was Corbin where it was supposed to be, you know, set aside for them. He said, you know what? You take the word of God and make it of none effect but your traditions of men. All traditions are not bad is what I'm trying to say. If you're dealing with some of the traditions that deal with things that God is doing, it's okay. So, you know, them deacons, I grew up, I mean, I grew up Missionary Baptist, praise the Lord. You know, Detroit, Michigan, Palestine Missionary Baptist. And we had some deacons, man, that would almost pray the same prayer every week. The key is, it's not, not, not necessarily what they're saying. It wasn't vain repetition. It was the conversation that they knew that they, if they talked to God and said these certain things, that he would talk back to them. So it's, it's not, it's all, it's not just, you know, the traditions, it's not all about the bling. It's about relationship. Yes. Somebody say relationship. So when we're committed to him, you're not necessarily being committed to me as your pastor, amen, the under shepherd. Or you're not just being committed to the church, you're being committed to the Lord. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes. We're talking about being committed to him because he can repay you like I can Amen. So for you to come in here and, you know, to hear pastor say your name on Sunday morning, praise the Lord. It kind of make you feel good, but I can't heal you. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. So we have to we have to get to the place where we're committed to the Lord. So every little thing you do in the house of God, in the service of the Lord, man, he will repay you. I promise you. He will give it back to you, man. When you least respect it, he'll roll like a bowling ball blessing, man. He'll get you. Amen. Amen. So the title for our message today is going to, it's called an answered prayer. All for one and one for all. all right. Amen. Three Musketeers, right? Is that who, that who said that? <laughs> an answered prayer, all for one and one for all. You know, this, this. This season, as, as uh, Fanny was saying earlier, for me is one of my favorite seasons, favorite times of the year. You know, it's not because of the Easter suits and the Easter bunny and all that good stuff, you know. Because y'all know back in the day, man, woo, Easter. We had a place in Detroit called Robert Hall. Hey, man, I, daddy would take us to Robert Hall and, you know, get them Easter suits. You couldn't wait to see what everybody had on on that particular Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Favorite time of the year because we're about to get a new suit. Amen. But we ain't talking about the suits this morning. Amen. Amen. One of the reasons is one of my favorite times of the year because it's a season that celebrates and reminds us of our Lord and Savior, what he did. It's the one thing that separates us from all other religions. Amen. Amen. This is, this is the time, man. I, I praise God that he was born. Thank God for, for Christmas, the time we celebrate his birth. But man, if he had not lived, died, and rose again, everything we're doing is in vain.
but the reason I get excited is because we celebrate a risen Savior. We celebrate a, a God that's alive. You didn't have to dust your God off this morning, did you? Uh-uh, no, because your God is alive. And here's the thing about it. He's alive on the inside of you. You walk around with the very presence of the Lord in you. God is alive in you. Amen. So, man, it's not all about the suits. It's about what he did for us. And we thank God our God is still alive. And today, Palm Sunday is what we call it. We commemorate it of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Story that's been told time and time again. I can remember growing up in, in that same Baptist church that I talked to you about. You know, y'all remember coming in on Sunday mornings and, and they'll have the little palm that they would put on your, put on your suit. And, you know, I thought all that was cool. Didn't have a clue what it meant. I, I knew I saw the pictures, amen, of the palm branches. And, you know, I, I saw all that. As, I'm talking about even as a child and then even as my teenage years or whatever. I saw it happening, but I didn't know what it meant. But now, we want to get into the place where we understand what exactly what was taking place. So, I just wanted my palm. You know, I try, I try to keep it. Y'all ever try to keep y'all? You come on. Almost wanted to wear it the next Sunday, amen? But no, no, baby, that was for that Sunday. You... But the Israelites, what it meant to them, they had palm branches that symbolized victory and triumph. Amen. Now, there's two times where they would do it. If we talk about it, we'll see it. We see it in on the triumphal entry in uh, Palm Sunday. And then also one of the feasts, the Feast of the Tabernacle, they also use palms. And that Feast of the Tabernacle is something that they, that they did to commemorate his coming again. Amen. In Zechariah 9, turn there, they, were, they will remember this particular scripture. Now, one of the things about the Jewish um, culture is that they taught scripture. They taught the law. They taught the Torah. They taught about that stuff. Amen? So they, were, they would remember, they knew about what to do as far as, you know, Palm Sunday because of Zechariah 9 and 9. Are you ready? Are, are you there? New Lemon Translation, it says this. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey's colt. So now let's, 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 let's talk about this scenario, right? Jesus is coming in, in Jerusalem, start, the start of Holy Week, it's Palm Sunday. So now the people have been hearing about this Jesus, about the, the, the miracles that he's been providing and the things that he's been doing, but they also knew this scripture. So now... The, the, the Israelites at this time, well, they were under the Roman rule. Do you know what that was like for them? Man, they were under oppression. They were being taxed. They were being worked and paid undue wages. Come on now, they couldn't vote. They were being oppressed because, just because of who they were. Sound familiar? They went through all of these different things. So they were looking for the Messiah. Now they knew scripture, that they knew the Messiah was supposed to come through the line of David. They were looking for this king to come and to, you know, to save them. And, I, you know, sometimes, man, you know, sometimes when we read scripture, don't ever let humanity escape you when you read scripture. I know we're on this side of the, of the Bible, but what if you have been inside of the Bible? Now there's a, there's a part that we're in right now. Amen, somebody. So sometimes when we look at what the, what the children of Israel did back then, we say, I can't believe they did that. Well, could you now? 
when you were being oppressed, when you were being taxed, and then the people who was the head of the church, the religious leaders in that time, man, they were in cahoots. Because this is how it worked. The Roman government would tell them, as long as you basically keep these people in order, we'll, you know, we'll slide you a little something, something. So most of those religious leaders back then, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, or the people who had positions in the church back then, they had a little bit of money. Because they were getting kickbacks from the religious leaders. Or from the, from the Roman government. As long as you can keep these people in check. So now this is the time that they're dealing with. So they hear about Jesus is coming in. And he's coming in. They say, man, well, how's he coming? He's riding on the colt. Zechariah 9 comes in. This got to be the one. We heard about the miracles. We heard about all the stuff. He's coming. Man, he's coming to, to take over the government. So here he comes riding in. And the Bible says they took off their coats and they took the palm branches. He had a red carpet treatment. So they begin to shout, Hosanna. Hosanna, which means save now. To the son of David, they were saying to the Messiah that's coming in. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They're excited because they said, we're about to get up out of here, man. We're about to get out. Our king is coming. Y'all been treating us like this way all the time. Now here he is. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Amen. So they were excited. Until they found out that wasn't the one that they thought about. He, they were looking for a king, not a savior. They were looking for someone to come in and to, to rid them of this Roman rule. Now these same people, this is what gets me sometime, man. These same people that put their coast in Hosanna and laid all the palm branches. The same ones who shouted Hosanna just a few days later said, crucify him. Because I thought he was the one that was going to fix my taxes. I thought he was the one that was going to allow me to have, you know, the right kind of money to make. I thought he was the one. But because he ain't, give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Amen, somebody. So this, this, this is what was taking place of the week that we call the Holy Week. This is how it started. Amen. Now, here's the thing about this. I want to encourage you to, to, to do this. Please do this. This whole, this whole account is in all four Gospels. It's in, it's in Matthew 21. Amen. It's in Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. I just encourage you to go back and read about that week throughout this week. Amen. It's going to bless you. There was a lot of things that actually, a lot of events that actually took place in this one week of time. I mean, there's so many things that happen that, that are, if, if you've been in church any kind of, any amount of time, there's so many things that are, are I'm not going to call them famous, but things that you've heard about, you know, time and time again in church, they actually happen through this one week. One week. Amen. <laughs> so much is there. So now let me, I'm going to cover a few of these events. Y'all all right? A couple of these events. The one event that we just talked about, we know the triumphal entry. Amen. He's coming in. He's coming into town. Listen, last, last year, I, I almost preached what I preached last year. Because I was looking at some of my notes, man, them things blessed me so much. Last year, we talked about the triumphal entry, right? But we dealt, dealt with it on a different angle. 
Hey man, y'all, and y'all remember? Anybody remember? I got twenty dollars or something. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had a, I preached a message last year, and the message was called "I Was Born for This." So we took the approach from the the donkey's approach. And hey, y'all remember that? Yeah, it's starting to come back. I almost started to preach that thing again. Hey, hey okay, I digress. Let me keep going. So that was one of the events that we talked about, the triumph of entry. Another one of the events that took, a pl took place is when Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Amen? There was two times in Scripture where it talks about where Jesus wept. The first time was at the death of his friend, Lazarus, and the second time was here when he wept over Jerusalem. Well, one of the reasons that he wept over Jerusalem is that he was coming down from Bethany, was coming down, and they stopped at a certain place, and he was able to see the city. And he said he wept. I've had a chance to travel to Israel, and man, I've had a chance to go down that very pathway that he went. And when we, one of our, when we was there, we was there on a study, study, you know, studying the scripture for two weeks. It was incredible. Anyway, we stopped at that place, and we stopped and said, "This is the place. This is around the place where Jesus stopped and wept, and you can see the whole city." The Bible says that he wept over Jerusalem because he knew that the Romans were going to tear down the temple. He knew this about, and about forty years later, it happened. So the Bible said he, he stopped and he wept. He said, man, they don't know what's about to happen to them. And they missed their hour of visitation. So he wept. That was one of the things that we talked about. Then the other thing was, one of the other events, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, right? Y'all know that story where he introduced, basically, he, and everything that he did during this last week, I like to think that he, he was preparing for when he was, was going to be crucified and rose again, and he was preparing the church to be birthed. So he was dealing with these different scenarios for us to learn as the church of what he was going through. Amen? So he comes to the place where the, he curses the fig tree. And we understand, we remember what took place in that particular time. He saw the fig tree coming down, and it didn't have fruit on it. He cursed it, was coming back, into this, coming back to Bethany, and his disciples reminded him, that's the, that's the fig tree that you cursed. And Jesus told him, this, if you can just have faith the size of a, of a mustard, so you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. He was trying to tell him, man, ain't nothing impossible. Amen. Don't be surprised because that thing was cursed. To the, it was my faith that did it. Amen, somebody. Then we, we hear about the story where Jesus comes in and turns over the, the money changes, right? He got upset when he came into the temple and saw them selling all the goods. He said, this, this should be a, um, a called the house of prayer. You have made it into a den of thieves. Now, the thing that he was upset about, amen, that's why I think all this stuff is lessons for the church. Come on, somebody. Because this is what happened during that particular time. The people had to bring a sacrifice. This was this, the feast of the Passover was about to happen. So everyone was coming to Jerusalem. And man, listen, they knew about they had to give something. So they had to give a turtle dove. You know, the poor people had turtle doves. There was some kind of sacrifice. The thing that Jesus was upset about is they were ripping the people off. Man, they ripping the people off. In the church. <laughs> was it that don't look good? Now I'm telling you. So I'm telling lessons for the church. $20 lines. $100 lines. 
Come on, somebody. Yeah, listen, I, 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 <laughs> I got this mask. If you give me $100 for this, you know, that craziness. I can't believe we still buying Miracle Water. Praise Jesus. <laughs> I can't believe it. He was mad and upset about that. Another thing that happened when he came into the temple, there was blind and the lame came to him and they were healed. He was still healing people at this particular time. And then Jesus, his authority was challenged. So now, here the, here, here the religious leaders seeing Jesus do all his healing, they saying, listen, okay, where you get your authority from? How you doing what you doing? Man, Jesus was cool with the, with the K. I, I believe he was just silky smooth. <laughs> so Jesus said, I got a question for you. John's baptism. Was, was it from heaven? <laughs> or was it from man? And they, I believe they huddled up. They said, if it was here from John, these people love John. <laughs> It was, it was say the wrong thing, man. We're going to have a riot. Man, Jesus knew what he was doing. So we've heard all these stories time and time again. I'm telling you, you can pick these stories and preach for months on his last week coming into Jerusalem. And then he teaches these three parables. He talked about the parable of the two sons. And once again, I believe that these things that he taught, even in this last moment, was preparing the church for how they're supposed to live, or how they're supposed to be the church. So he talked this one parable about the, the two sons. I love this parable because he, he said, you know, he told his son, basically giving these two sons a task to do. The one son said, no, I ain't doing it, daddy. The other son said, I'll do it, daddy. Well, the first son that said, I ain't going to do it, daddy, ended up doing it. Amen. And one said, son said, I'll do it, daddy. He didn't do it. So Jesus asked his disciples, once again, silky smooth, which one was right? So it, it, it ended up being that the first one, right, that said that he wasn't going to do it, ended up doing it. And then the scripture says this. The scripture says this in Matthew 21. And Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the, 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 the right way to live. But you didn't believe him while tax collectors and prostitutes did. So don't be, man, don't be surprised. Jesus was trying to say, man, I know what they look like right now. But if they only believe in me, man, I'm going to flip their lives on their heads. And you the ones in here perpetrating and you don't really believe me. That's why I keep telling you, man, listen, this thing has to be real to us. Your cross around your neck ain't going to keep you. The leather your skirt doesn't make you holy. Come on, somebody. So Jesus is teaching all these things. And another, another parable, he talked about the evil farmer and he talked about the great feast. Amen. And Jesus asked him, he said, he said, who is the Messiah? How, why? He said, why do you say that the Messiah is coming through the line of David or is the son of, of David? And David said in scripture, we read, he said, David said, Lord to my Lord. So he said, I'm trying to say, come on now. What he was telling him, he said, you looking at the Messiah. That's what he's trying to tell him. Amen. And then Jesus, another time, all this stuff happened down in this particular week. And most of it was happening in the first three days. 
Because we know what happened in the last three days when he went to trial. Right? So all this incredible teaching, all these things happen in this one week. So that's why I want to remind you, go back and look at the scriptures. Amen. Go back and look at these weeks. And then another thing that happened, it, it says Jesus, he sits with the disciples on the Mount of, of Olives. And he began to speak to them about things that were going to happen in the future. Matthew 24. Right? He started talking to them about things that, that, that would happen. How the world would end and how things were going to, going to go on. It says, many will say, um, many, many shall come in my name saying that they are the Christ. The, they are the Christ. He said, there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nations will go against nations and kingdom against kingdoms. There are going to be famines, earthquakes, in many parts of the world. He said, but all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. He was telling them about these things that was going to happen, right? He said, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will, wax, will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end. Now, Jesus, I love this. He's talking to his disciples, just chilling with them. <laughs> but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. He's preparing them for the future. I could, man, I could, I could see them just sitting there. Like, man, what is he talking about? You know, oh my God. Then another story, we talk about the story, y'all all right? Y'all all right? We talk about the story of, the, of the, widow, the widow with two mice. I'm telling you, all these were lessons for the church. All this stuff was for us. So now they're in the temple. He was telling them these stories, and, and they're there in, in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in the place where they could observe um, what people were given. I think it was called the Court of Women. And see, on the walls and stuff, they would have these things like, like trumpets. They were like, you know, where they would put their money in. And all the people with a lot of money would go in there and make a lot of noise. Because they wanted you to know. I want you to know, man, I'm about to bring it off in here. Throwing the money, clink, 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 making all kind of noise. So then this woman shows up. And, and the Bible says she was a widow woman, probably because of the way she was dressed. She takes two mites and put them in there. And Jesus said, look, 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 look. This woman has given more than all of the rest because she gave her very last. He understood that she was under social services. But she gave everything that she had. Man, listen, listen y'all bear with me for my Holy Ghost imagination for just a second, amen? I'm going to look for that woman in heaven. Because he said, let me tell you the other part of the story. After I gave that money, I went back home. I was blessed so much. I didn't know. Listen, people started getting, because she gave her bed. Do you think that the Lord would see this woman given the last that she had and would not take care of her? That's why I'm telling you, man, even this latter ain't given you taking your bubblegum money, God's going to bless you for it. The widow, widow woman, the two mice. And then he had the last supper. Hey man, he, he's, he's sitting around and he's telling them things are coming. This is how we instituted our communion. Praise God. We're going to have communion on next Sunday too. And then he, then, then he had, then he began to, he went to a place where he actually prayed for them. And John 17. Now John 17 is really the Lord's prayer. 
Matthew 6 is, Matthew 6 is the model prayer. It's teaching us how to pray. But this is the prayer that we're talking about, Jesus' prayer. Amen. Now, if there's any prayer that's going to be answered, who do you think is going to be answered? Amen. The one who has the ability to answer his own prayer. Because him and the Father are one. Come on now. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He prayed to himself. And he said, I'm going to answer it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then Peter, then Jesus tells Peter, okay, you're going to deny me. And Peter, I mean, Jesus prays and consent to me. All this stuff is happening during that, the Holy Week, the week that we call the Holy Week. Judas betrays him. Jesus is arrested. So many things that happened during this important week. But now I want to get to a place where it's like, where are you? So where are you? How are you going to tie this thing in? Pastor, I'm about to tie it in right now. Amen. So now we're going to get to what we talked about or we dealt with with our foundational text. Now we're going to highlight on a part of this particular week where they call it the upper room discourse. Amen. This is the time, this is the last time, really, that Jesus was actually had a chance to teach to his disciples before he was crucified, before he was arrested and before he was cruci crucified. This happened after he washed their feet. Amen. It showed them that he was a, a humble servant. And he tells them that, listen, one of y'all are going to betray me. Like, I can imagine. They say, oh, man, I, I wonder who it is. And he tells Peter, I know you think you're all that, but you're going to deny me three times. Yeah. Amen. And then he begins to talk to his disciples. Now he's talking to them. Now he's sharing his heart with them again. And it starts in John chapter 14. And then it goes on, on down to about John chapter 18. So now in John 14, Jesus began to tell them, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, what I love about this, this is, this is the, the teacher talking to his disciples. Amen. I think he's preparing them for what's about to happen. He's Putting, it in, putting something on the inside of him. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You, you believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and now, this is probably what it, like, what? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, Thomas responds and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> now, you know some of y'all got that Thomas. Y'all know some of y'all got that Thomas spirit. What are you talking about? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Where are you going? We don't know the way. And Jesus says, in, in, in verse number six, Jesus says, I am the way. The truth and the light. No man cometh to the Father except by me. And then Philip comes up and says, well, show us the Father. <laughs> and Jesus responds, can you, man, once, once again, these are people. And Jesus responds, if you, if you have seen me, then you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. How many know our God has a son? Amen, amen. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, a paraclete, that shall abide in you forever. And I will send you the Holy Spirit, who will lead and guide you into all truth. Remember on last week, I can't wait to get back to that message. We talked about relative and absolute truth. 
He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that's going to lead and guide you into absolute truth. Everything that he teaches is going to be truth. Verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, at the end of this chapter, it says this, Let's be going is what Jesus tells them. So what they begin to do is to walk to Gethsemane. Taking a walk. I love this. So John chapter 15. Jesus gives this famous illustration of the, the vine and the branches. He said, I'm the, I'm the true vine and you are the branches. Unless you be connected to me, the only, only way to bear fruit is to be connected to me. Right. Amen. If you, if you abide in me and, and my word abides in you, you're going you're gonna to produce fruit. And that's fruit. That's what I'm telling you. As long as you stay connected to who Jesus is, oh, man, I got to. Sometimes, man, I, listen, praise the Lord. I want you to be connected to me as far as what we're doing. And we're, we're, we're in this ministry together. Yeah. Amen. God has called me to be the under-shepherd of this work. That means I have some leading to do. Amen. As long as I lead and feed, I have to lead and you have to feed. So there is something where you have to be connected to, to me. and We have to be connected to one another. But your connection to me is not going to bring you salvation. Come on, somebody. you got to stay connected to the true vine. I believe that there's people throughout the body of Christ that's trying to stay connected to the pastor and they forget to be connected to the Lord. No. We, we can't get this thing twisted. Praise God we're all connected together because we're a family. We are, yes, we are. But he's the true vine. Hallelujah. And the father is the husband. And he's the one that's, listen, he's the one that's providing everything. As long as we stay connected to him, you will bear fruit. Amen. Amen. Look at yourself and say, I'm a fruit bearer. You will bear fruit. He commands them to love one another. And he warns them, I want y'all to love each other, man, but the world's going to hate you. And John 15 is what we're talking about. And once again, he tells them, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you. Then he ends this chapter like this. In verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye may have peace. In the world, you should have tribulation. He said, you're going to go through some stuff, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. As long as you stay connected to me, you're going to be all right. Now, here's where I want to focus in and get ready to close this thing up. Amen? Amen. So now we're going to look at John 17. John 17. The first part of John 17, and this is, this is the real Lord's Prayer. Amen? Or the actual Jesus praying to the Father. The first part of this, this, this prayer, this discord, Jesus is praying about himself. And I'm going to start at verse number 4. And it says this. I brought glory to you here, and I'm reading, this is John 17, I'm going to read the whole, we're going to end up going through that whole chapter, amen? So these, Jesus is initially talking about himself, start at verse number 4. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, I'm going to put a pin in that right there. Once again, I always like to remind us is that, you know, the reason that God has given the fivefold ministry, the, the apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. 
So Jesus himself said, now here's the pattern. This is the pattern that he laid out for the church. He said, this is how it's going to work. Father, you're going to send me to the earth. I'm volunteering to go to the earth. I'm going to go to the earth and I'm, I'm going to choose these disciples. And I'm going to give them everything that you've given me. And when I place it in them, I'm going to get them to a place where I'm going to release them to give it to others. Jesus said, that's the work. Do you hear what I'm saying? The work that the father sent him to do. Now he's going to finish it on Calvary. But he's telling the father this part of the work where you told me to get these people prepared. I've done it. I've done it. They ready. Do you understand? Amen. Amen, somebody. Amen. Verse number five. Now, Father, bring me into glory and share. Bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Now he's going to talk, to, talk about and pray about the disciples. Verse number six. He says, I have received you um, to the ones. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me. From this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me. And I kept them. And, and, and they have kept your word. And verse number seven. Now they know everything that I have. Is a gift from you. For I have passed it on to them. The message you gave me. They accepted it. And they know I came from you. And then they believe that you sent me. Now, verse number nine, it says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united. Come on, somebody say united. united. Just as we are. Verse number 12. During, during 12. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so, so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction. As the scriptures foretold, they knew one was going to be lost. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Verse 15, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Verse 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth, absolute truth is what we're talking about. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I gave myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they could be made holy by your truth. Now, verse number 20, and this is our text that we had today. Now, Jesus is praying for us. He prayed to the Father by himself that I've come here and I've done what you've told me to do. Then he prayed about the disciples. He said, man, I'm giving them everything. And these ones that you've given me, I've lost. I haven't lost one of them. Well, I've, I've lost only except one. We know that was Judas, the son of perdition, as the, the King James says. 
He knew one of them was going to be lost. He said, but you know what? The other ones, I've done everything you told me to do. They're ready. They're ready. I'm about to send them out. Now he's talking about us. Amen. Verse 20, he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. Do we have any believers in Jesus Christ today in the message of Jesus Christ? So not, what, not only was he praying for the disciples, your Savior, come on somebody, the one who rode in as a humble servant on the donkey, donkey he's praying to his Father about you and about me. I'm not only praying for the disciples, he's not only praying for the preachers, Come on, somebody. He's not only praying for the pastors, the bishops, the elders, the deacons. He's praying for all who would believe. Everybody. All believers. Verse 21, it says, I pray that they all will be one. Just as I, just as you and I are one. This is what the Savior is praying. That you and I would be one. The church would be one. As you are in me, Father, and I am you, and may they be in us also that the world will believe that you sent me. How would they believe that we are his disciples? The love that we have one for another. Your haters are not in the church. Come on, somebody. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, verse 23, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Man, listen, when the world begins to see the unity of the body of Christ, come on, somebody. And that's why my prayer is we got to be a, a, a family of, we got to fellowship with one another, man. We, we're a family of faith, amen? But we got to be a family. You are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. Verse 24. It says, Father, I want these whom you have, give, you have given me to be with me where I am. Where are you seated right now? Where are you seated right now? With who? You're seated in Jesus Christ. You're seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ right now at this moment. He says, then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will come, and I will come to do so. Then your love for me will be in them. And I will be in them. Now we're talking about the answered prayer. Answered prayer. Verse 20, go back to that. I am praying not for these disciples, but also all who will ever believe in me. I pray that they will be all one. This is what he prayed. Amen. He prayed for us to be all one. 
an answered prayer to Jesus is us being united. One for all and all for one. That's the answer. You and me, we're the answer to the prayer. Amen, somebody. Now, listen, I want to point out something here in verse, verse number 21. It says, I pray that they all will be. That word be, they will be one. Anytime you see be in scripture, it means the ability to do it is there. Amen, somebody. So you and I, if we believe in him, we have the ability to be one. We have that ability if we believe. Now listen, you gotta put you gotta put some stuff, you know, sometimes you gotta put some stuff aside. Put your attitude. Come on now, put your feelings aside. I know your brother just rubbed you the wrong way, but that's still your brother, so you still gotta stay unified. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. It's okay to go to your brother and sister and say, you know what? Last week you walked by me and didn't say nothing. Man, that offended me. It did. <laughs> I didn't even see you. <laughs> but you know, that's still being unified. That's still getting it together. You're still on one accord. Amen, somebody. So that is Jesus' prayer. I believe, man, that if the body of Christ, if we would just get this, you know, a lot of times we major on the minors and, you know, all that other stuff. We got to come together. We are the body of Christ. Come on, someone say, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. I say this all the time. Man, you Jesus' girl. You his bride. Amen. So it's like this. It's like this. If you acting crazy, that means I ain't feeding you right. Because the Bible tells us to wash your wife with the word of God. And if you Jesus is bride and I'm washing you right, man, you're going to treat me right. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. We are the church. Man, we, when we become one, there's nothing that can stop us. Amen. Nothing that can stop us. Can I get my musicians to play? I'm going to go ahead and close it out. There's nothing that can come against us. And listen, the world right now, the world is always, they're trying to be connected to something. And it's kind of, it's just driving me crazy sometimes with this, this word. We go, through, we go through different words in the church, you know, different things where they become buzzwords that don't mean nothing. Same thing in the world. We have buzzwords and they don't mean nothing. How much time I got? Let me tell you a quick little story. Man, when I was in Germany... Make this real fast. I don't know if I may have told you the story, story before. There was, a, there was a partner of mine. He was dating a German girl. She was cool, too. They married this day, you know, living in Georgia. Anyway, Sylvia came to me one day. We were talking about things of the United States. She almost, one time, she almost made me think I wasn't born in the United States because she started asking me stuff about the, car, the country. You ever seen the Grand Canyon? I know. You ever seen this? She, she said, are you from America? So she started asking me all these different questions, right? But she told me this. This is something that I've never forgotten. She said, you know, when, when I would see the black soldiers come over here initially and they would, they would always call each other brother and sister, he, she said, that, that just moved me. She said, that was incredible. When they would call each other brother and sister, they said, it moved me until I found out it didn't mean nothing. So, man, we can't have buzzwords. So the buzzwords that we have, we're connected. 
are you really connected? Just because you got a thousand followers that supposedly be connected to you, they ain't connected to you. Do you see what the enemy's trying to do? And even now, man, we're dealing with the social media. Listen, we're going to come back when we come together. Ecclesia, called out ones. The church means that we gather. It's not online. There's a purpose for being on. Man, praise God for that. There's a purpose for it. But, man, we're supposed to gather. We're supposed to be with one another. Hey, man, man, you are, you, are, you are a part of the greatest organization in the world. The greatest. There's no organization that has the kind of power that your organization has. Now, the organization I'm talking about is the church. Everybody want to be a part of something. Amen. We got the sororities. We got the fraternities. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen. And you know what? Here's the thing. You, you know the, the, the fraternity I, I belong to? The Alpha and the Omega? Yeah. He's the beginning. And he's the end. And here's the thing about some of these organizations that people want to become a part of. They always have these initiations or things that you have to go through, right? But the greatest initiation, my initiation, we're going to celebrate it on next week. The, the only initiation that I have is a risen Savior. He died on the cross for me. And he rose again just for me, just for you. That's the only initiation that you have to go through. You've been indoctrinated. You've been engrafted into the family of God. You are the church all for one and one for all. Hey Amen. I believe man, we're going to get to the place where you provoke people to jealousy. You're going to provoke them to jealousy because of the love that you have for one another. Helping one another when you need help. Amen. And not always asking for a dime. Do you need some help? That's the question. Lift your hands. Father, we bless you on today. We thank you, God, that you've given us the ability to answer the prayer in John 17. We commemorate and celebrate this last week, this holy week. And part of this holy week is when you pray for us. We thank you, God. Jesus, thank you for praying for us. Woo! Thank you for praying for us. Because you prayed for us, God, you've given us the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, it's the ability to say yes. It's the ability to be one. It's the ability to love is on the inside of us. God, we want to be one. Just like you and the Father are one. I pray for this church, God. NCL, God, we are family of families. We love one another with the love of God. Thank you, God, that we're growing in grace and in the knowledge of who you are. Father, we bless you. Magnify you, Lord. You can do nothing without you. Absolutely nothing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All the people of God shout it. Amen. Amen. Woo! Man. Thank you for spending time listening to the Word of God. We pray that today's message has fallen on good ground and will produce a 30, 60, or even 100-fold harvest in your life. Don't forget to join us next week. 
Be sure to subscribe to the New Covenant Christian Church podcast and click share to share with friends and family because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God bless you and have a safe and prosperous week.